This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Talking a lot of baseball in our number one Subway Series in the books for 2022, unless these teams are going to meet again at the end of October, which, you know, is still a distinct possibility. But to help us break it down a little bit further, we bring on now our next guest. You see him on SNY, read him on SNY TV, longtime columnist here in New York. It's our good pal, Anthony McCarron. Anthony, thanks for hopping on tonight. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Dan. How about you? Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate it, as always. Doing great. And, you know, let's start with the Yankees because they've had, obviously, the last couple of days go in their favor. We know that they had been scuffling a little bit, especially since the All-Star break. Number one, what was your level of concern for them heading into this series? And how much of a boost do you think these last couple of days will be for them the rest of the way? You know, it's it's funny, but I was I, I probably as worried about them about about a team that had a big lead in its division as you could be, just because you know when teams don't hit, they look really bad, they look lifeless, they look passionless, all that stuff, and that's the way the Yankees uh, were going heading into you know the, their last game against the Blue Jays at home in that series, and then that was of course the jumping off point for the Subway Series. You know, they got a nice jolt with by beating Toronto on Sunday. Got a big hit from Andrew Benintendi, which I think was something that they were really looking for, and and I know he was because he's had he's had a bad start as a Yankee. Although you see these last three games, he's starting to bloom a little bit. Uh, you know, so I think they got going that Sunday, and then it really helped uh, beating the Mets. Uh, you know, I know everybody in town gets really wound up about these games, and rightfully so because they're they're bigger than just a regular season tilt. Uh, you know, and I think the Yankees used a little bit of that energy to, to kind of get going and, you know, a narrow escape uh, last night. But, uh, you know, good stuff from them. They, they finally scored a few runs. You know, they don't look unstoppable the way they did offensively, the way they did earlier this year. But it's it's certainly a, a different feel around that team right now based on the on the way they played against the Mets. No doubt about it. And the fact that they do have that cushion in the division, I think, is going to go a long way towards minimizing any sort of grave concerns that fans and folks might have for them there. But, you know, you look at the starting rotation, you know that Frankie Montas was brought in to kind of help be another quality arm at the top part of it behind Garrett Cole. And I thought last night was a good step in the right direction. I mean, look, he's still got a long way to go before I think you have ultimate confidence in him, Anthony. But the way he battled last night, minimizing the damage, I think, is a step in the right direction for him yes absolutely you know watching that game last night I thought when things were getting you know he was getting into into a fix in in each of the first two innings and he got out of it and I thought that that was just going to continue and with the way his Yankees start I mean he's had two of two of his worst starts of the year have been two of the three starts uh, that he had made prior to last night uh, for the Yankees and you just you know you couldn't help but think it was going to snowball on him kudos to him for coming out of it and and pitching his way out of it and delivering some innings for a Yankee team that could use it. You know, I talked to a scout about him the other day because it's, you know, the way he started in pinstripes, so perplexing because he was, you know, he wasn't as, as coveted as, as Luis Castillo during the trade deadline time, but he was right up there among the top starters available. And, you know, the scout said that he's, you know, the stuff was there, uh, but, but he was throwing too many balls in the middle of the plate. And of course you're going to get killed if you do that in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he got out of that a little bit last night. And, and, you know, maybe this is the start of something good for him. I mean, it's kind of a theme around the Yankees right now, and maybe Montas can get swept up in that. Talking with Anthony McCarron here on the Dan Grosha Show, 98.7 ESPN. Where is your trust right now in Garrett Cole? Uh, the last couple of starts have 
left a lot to be desired. He settled down before that where you thought, okay, he's back to looking like an ace type of guy, $324 million. But, you know, we're five weeks away from the postseason. How much faith and trust do you have on him to be that guy when it matters most? He is so puzzling and confounding, this guy. Isn't he, Dan? I mean, really, he has all the stuff in the world, and he's got – I think he's got a little swagger on the mound as well, and and that's usually a really great combination, right? But I think that there's something there that he seems affected by the the littlest thing. You know, I I know a lot has been made of the Billy Crystal thing on opening day where he was (laughs) impatient about – you know, but I think that's part of the package with Garrett Cole, and I just – you know, I, I wonder if, I don't know, if the weather's not right in October, is he going to be, is that going to be like, you know, is he going to be you know, concentrating on that as opposed to, you know, thinking about taking down, you know, the Astros or whoever he happens to be facing in that game? So, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, you, you pay that much money for a guy and you think, you know, finally we got our game one starter. I mean, how many years has it been that Yankee fans have been complaining that they don't have, you know, the, the bell cow to, to yep. put in that spot in the playoffs? He's the guy. You give him all the money in the world, and now we're at a point where it's fair to say, oh, you really want him to start game one? Or do you want the guy, you know, Nestor Cortez, he clearly has uh, some fire. He clearly has some swing and miss stuff when he's at his very best. Uh, do you want that guy instead? I mean, right now I'm leaning toward Nestor, to be honest with you. Uh, I know there are issues going forward with him because he's already in uncharted waters in terms of innings. Uh, In his career, he's already over 130 and he's never been that high before in the pros. And, um, you know, so that may rear its head at some point as well. But, yeah, I mean, for for a team that has some quality names at the top of their rotation, they have some rotation issues when it gets to October. No doubt about it. And, you know, we've talked about it before over on the TV side, you and I. And, you know, I, I think that it's fair to question, you know, are the Yankees getting the guy when talking about Cole? Is this the guy that they gave $324 million to, or is that guy maybe gone for good? You know, everybody made a big deal about the spider tax stuff, and that factors in here, of course, over the last year. But maybe that Houston dominant Garrett Cole is somebody that we're never going to see again consistently. That is something that he, he's going to have to prove. You know, I mean, that's, that's on him to, to sort of push past all that and to, you know, blow away hitters and blow uh, spider tack out of everybody's head uh, going forward here. And, and, and to the Yankees' benefit, obviously, if he can do that, uh, I mean, what a huge thing that would be. I mean, he still does have ridiculous stuff. Uh, and, and it just seems like, you know, I was at the game that he pitched against the Blue Jays over the weekend. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he, he held them hitless for four innings, then he gave up a hit in the fifth inning and everything crumbled. And, you know, he's got he's to gotta be the guy who puts a stop to that. When, when it comes to there was a big at-bat against Alejandro Kirk in that game, and when you have the at-bat of the game right then and there at that point in, in the fifth inning, he's got to be the one who wins it. And Kirk won it by ripping a ball into the, into the uh, left-center gap uh, for an extra base hit that, that plated runs. But Cole's got to be the winner of those at-bats, and, and he, too often he is not, and that's a bad sign. Talking with Anthony McCarron here on the Dan Gross Show, 98.7 ESPN. Let's switch over to the Mets here. Day off for them as well. They're going to open a homestand with four against Colorado starting tomorrow. Yeah, they lose a couple of games. They were in both of these games. You know, they pulled that one Sunday out of their you-know-what because, you know, more often than not, you're going to lose a game like that. They had no business winning that game here. And it's not necessarily, Anthony, that the Mets are playing poorly or they're in a rut. The problem with the Mets is – 
the Atlanta Braves and that there seems no let up from Atlanta. So I guess the question is, are the Mets going to have enough to fend off the Braves and still win this division, which, oh, by the way, is really, really important come playoff time. Yeah, it really is. You're right, Dan. I, look, I think they will win the division. Uh, I think they get a big boost from the schedule going forward because they, they just obviously they just came out of a grueling stretch with a lot of playoff teams. And I think they played 27 games in 26 days and went 18 and nine over that stretch, which is pretty darn good. Uh, you know, but now they have except for the Dodger part, you know, when they, the Dodgers are coming to town uh, on this homestand, except, except for that. You know, they're playing some teams that are not uh, not contenders now, so maybe they can fatten up on them. Look, the Braves don't lose. Uh, they have had, <laughs> they've played at an insane pace for so long now. Kept waiting for them to sort of take a step back and stop, but they haven't. And even when the Mets, you know, the Mets dealt them a pretty big blow in Atlanta in that five-game series, uh, beating them four out of five, and the Braves were just like, okay, whatever. And they they went out and they started winning again. And, you know, then they took a series from the Mets along the way and, and all that sort of stuff. So, look, I, I know there were a lot of Mets fans that got giddy early in the season when the Mets built a big lead. And they thought, well, you know, the Braves, it's a championship hangover. Freddie Freeman's gone. No way that they can get back in this. The Braves are not going away. They never were. And now they're right on the doorstep. It's a one and a half games now after the after they won today. And uh so they're they're an incredible. They might be the third best team in baseball. If you if you pick the Mets as the second best team behind the Dodgers right now, the Braves might be the third best team in in the game. And you know, and, and they may be taking over the second spot if they ever if they get a chance to get even closer to the Mets. So uh, look, the Mets aren't playing poorly. Um, you know, they they had their troubles with runners in scoring position last night in that game. You know, with all those opportunities and 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 the way the Mets have capitalized this year. I was thinking at several different points that they were going to have that breakthrough and they never did. And, you know, but that's, that's the way some of these games go. I'm not, I'm not panicking about the Mets, uh, but this is, you know, I mean, this is the time of year when, you know, you show what you're made of and it's up to them to, to put some, some W's up now that they've got an easier part of the schedule. It's funny you say that, too, because I, I, that was going to be the next thing I said. You can make a strong case that the three best teams in baseball are all in the National League, right? Order them whichever way you Absolutely. want, Dodgers, Mets, and Braves. And I, I think that there's a strong argument to be made there. DeGrom is going tomorrow, and look, we know what he's been through and all the time that he missed, and it always seemed like there was something that would crop up which would prevent him from getting on the mound. Now he gets the extra day, and it's going to be a week between starts with him are you just accepting that, Anthony, at face value, that that's all it is? They're just being ultra-careful? Or are you going to be a conspiracy theorist, or should we think about, oh, maybe there is something underlying they're not telling us that has popped up again with DeGrom? Well, I'm not saying that it's the case in this specific instance, Dan, but you know as well as I do that you are. You're not getting 100% of the truth about player health from the teams in many cases. I'm not saying that that's what's going on with DeGrom. It may just be sort of care and feeding of this guy and they're so focused on making sure that he's right for what's coming and not what's happening right now that they'll give him an, a, a week between starts They'll give him extra time now as opposed to risk losing him for later which i think is the right thing to do to be quite honest because you pair him with max scherzer at the top of a playoff rotation and all of a sudden every team in baseball ought to be scared of you because right. you you know that that's six that can be six, seven, or maybe in DeGrom's case, five, six shutdown innings where you don't have a prayer of scoring, and then we get to the, the real part of the game when the Mets, who have a decent offense, might already be ahead 5 nothing. 
So it's an incredible advantage for them to have. And if, if this is what it takes to make sure that DeGrom pitches in October, then this is what they must do, and they're doing the right thing, and I'm all for it. I think the biggest concern you have with the Mets moving forward, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier, is not the rotation, not the back end with Edwin Diaz. It's the bridge to Edwin Diaz. Right now, is there oh, yeah. one guy that maybe you have more faith in than the others as to, you know, would be a go-to type guy for Buck, or do you think it's going to have to be any different guy on any different night? I think someone's going to have to emerge because if you look at it right now, I, I don't think that anybody is going crazy over what they've got down there as far as lockdown getting to Diaz. Uh, Diaz has obviously had a tremendous season. He's the best relief pitcher in baseball right now. Uh, and, and kudos for him to, for, for coming back from where he was just a, a few years ago in, in, as a New York pitcher. Uh, it was bleak back then, and now it's trumpets, and it's great. And, you know, but, but getting to him is going to be tough. Uh, you know, I've always liked Seth Lugo. He might be a guy. He's given up a lot of hits this year, it seems like to me. It feels like. And, uh, you know, so he's had some, a little bit of uh, some trouble. But I love the curveball. And when it's right, I mean, what a weapon. You know, Trevor May has not pitched to his talent, I think, no since way. he's been here. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, he's been hurt. He's had some physical issues, and I, and I get that. And he's had some, some, some vast underperformance as well. But if he ever gets to be the guy that they signed when they signed him, well, then he could be a weapon as well. And look, you know, my, Michael Givens hasn't impressed so far either. He's had some rough outings as a Met. But, you know, uh, like I was looking at numbers last night, he has an insane track record against Aaron Judge. Um, I think Judge has a homer off of him in 14 at-bats, but he's struck him out like 10 times. So, you know, could his breaking stuff work against a big righty in a big situation? At some point in a key moment in, you know, whether it's that, that final series against the Braves in the second to last series of the year or during the playoffs, maybe. I mean, you know, they, they probably needed to do more at the trading deadline with, with the bullpen because I think you always have to have not just guys in place but options to replace the guys who are there too. And, you know, I think when it comes to bullpens, they're so crazy and they're, you know, combustible you know, you got to have inventory. And I thought they should have, I really thought they should have made a move that got them a, a trusted uh, reliever who's got a proven track record. I mean, David Robertson comes to mind. I know that yeah. that might not have worked, but uh, I, I, sh I sure would feel better about their bullpen if he was there and not in Philadelphia. I agree with you. And, you know, Robertson, of course, has proven he could pitch in New York, which is, I think, a big leg up as opposed to bringing somebody in who you don't know if they can handle the big pressure cooker that this city is. But, hey, we'll find out here over the next few weeks if it's going to pay dividends or not for them. Anthony, thanks for a couple of minutes, as always, for hopping on. Appreciate the conversation, as always, and we'll do it again real soon, my friend. Thanks a lot. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Dan. All right. There's Anthony McCarron, SNY, talking a little New York baseball. Both teams back at it tomorrow. Mets home for Colorado. Yanks begin a West Coast trip. They are in Oakland to take on the lowly A's. I mean, and again, Trevor May, I, I, I mean, he gives you a lot of reason to. Tweeting it out, I, I, there's no way you could trust Trevor May. Yeah, I, I know the guy's been through a lot with the health and, and being able to stay on the mound. Seems like a nice guy. You know, he plays video games, does podcasts, all that stuff. But you know what? If I want a guy who's going to be on the mound that I can trust that's going to give my team big outs in the month of September, October, in pressure situations – that ain't the guy this year. I'm sorry. Sorry. He, he, you know, circle of trust is something that he is not going to be a part of, at least as far as I'm concerned. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. When we come back, you know, we, we touched on it briefly a little bit last night 
We can get into a little bit more here, and that are these new rumors that are circulating about the Knicks and the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell and maybe, just maybe, what the Knicks could be willing to sacrifice to bring in the former All-Star of the Utah Jazz and the New York native. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Stream live sports and original content with ESPN Plus today. You get access to the award-winning 30 for 30 library, unrivaled UFC access, including exclusive pay-per-views, live coverage of 35 PGA Tour events each year. Get the ESPN Plus and Disney Plus bundled today, and you can watch ESPN Originals, the 30 for 30s, the entire Disney and Marvel library, all the Star Wars programming your heart can desire, and more Stream it anytime, anywhere. Go to ESPNNewYorkBundle.com to learn more. I'm not ashamed to say that I have fallen behind considerably in my streaming and my viewing and my content absorption of the Disney uh, Plus site there. So I got to play catch up with some of these things. But, you know, hopefully I'll have the time here over the next uh, few weeks to make that happen. We're busy. We're making things happen. And now with the football starting, it's really, really Busy for all of us, of course. Thanks to Anthony McCarron for hopping on with us. Good baseball talk there. And we'll switch gears to a little hoops, a little NBA. And, you know, things have kind of been quiet over the last couple of weeks for the Knicks, right? And the rumors involving the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell and will he or won't he? And will they trade him? Will they not? Are they going to hang on to him? Remember, Donovan Mitchell's under contract for a few more years. So it's not like Utah is in any hurry to move him, right? It's not like they have to because just like the Nets with Kevin Durant, they're going to make sure that they get the best deal possible. That's why Kevin Durant wasn't traded. It's not like Kevin Durant had a change of heart and everybody got all warm and fuzzy and decided, oh, we need each other to survive like oxygen. No, it was because the Nets shopped him, but the asking price was high, as it should have been, and they said, it's more valuable he comes back to us than us giving him away for a lot less than what he's worth. And Danny Ainge is not going to make that same mistake with Donovan Mitchell out there in Utah. You see what he was able to fetch for Rudy Gobert when he traded him to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think that you don't have to be an NBA expert to realize that when you do business with Danny Ainge, right, chances are you better dig in pretty deep because more often than not, it seems like he's going to come away with maybe the better of the deal. You know, that is how he has made a career. That is how he has done his winning. And if you are the Knicks, you better evaluate this thing backwards and forwards if you are going to try to swing a deal for Donovan Mitchell. So why are we talking about this? Like, why is this now being brought up? Well, because there's a new report that's out from our pal Ian Begley, who was the basketball insider at SNY. And you know what? Instead of me detailing what the report says, why don't we just let Ian tell you himself what he is reporting? Go ahead, Ian. Big name here for me to watch is R.J. Barrett because Utah certainly seeks R.J. Barrett in a deal. There are a number of different permutations that I think are being discussed, have been discussed, but certainly Utah would like to get R.J. Barrett back in a deal. Are the Knicks willing to give up R.J. Barrett? I reported back in, I think it was mid-July, that people in touch with the Knicks recently had come away with the impression, again, back in mid-July, that the Knicks were dead set against including Barrett in any trade. Is that still the case? I'm not so sure. I don't think that it's a uniform opinion throughout the building with New York that they can't include Barrett in a deal. Something to keep an eye on there. 
Interesting. All right, so what do you think? You know, you heard Ian say it. We talked about it briefly last night. There's a lot of decision makers in that room. You know, there's a lot of people that have a voice that are influential. It's not just Leon Rose. It's not just Scott Perry. It's not William Wesley. There's a lot of folks who are offering their opinion. And according to the report, there's more than a few that are actually on board with parting ways with R.J. Barrett if it means bringing in a Donovan Mitchell. But you don't know if that's going to be the end-all, be-all tiebreaker voice, which is what's going to swing this deal when it's all said and done. Leon Rose's voice is the one that's going to carry the most weight because he's the chief decision-maker, right? He's the guy who says yes and who says no. That's what happens when you've got the big, splashy title, you have the nice paycheck, and you're essentially deciding what goes on with this organization. So, you know, a lot of people were tweeting at me earlier today and giving their two cents as to whether or not they would include RJ in a possible deal. And remember, you could get me at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Good way to interact. Because we can't get to everybody on the show, of course. And I know that it's difficult. I know that it's hard. You know, you got a homegrown player here. A guy that you brought into your organization when he was just a little baby. He was just a little baby, so small. He was a kid. And now you've had him for a few years. You've seen him grow. You've seen him mature. You've seen him prosper. He's one of your own. And now he's gotten to a point where, hey, you got a 20-point score on your hands. You've seen this guy develop. You know, he, he has the makings of somebody who could be a cornerstone player for you. And when was the last time you could say that about the New York Knicks, that they actually draft and develop a proven, bona fide, top-tier NBA player? Like, when was the last time you could say that? Seriously. I mean, decades. But now you have one of these guys. The question is, where's this game going from here? Right? Like, that's, that's the question that I have. If you want to play devil's advocate about this whole thing, where is R.J. Barrett's career going from here? Is it getting better? Or does he plateau maybe at where he's at? Like, what if he's come close to hitting that ceiling? Like, what if his game, at least offensively, is not really going to accelerate much more than where he's at right now. I think that's the question that needs to be addressed. And you know what? I'm sure that there's a lot of people in that brain trust with the Knicks that are having those discussions daily. They've had those discussions. And the ones in that room that are probably lending their vote to including RJ in a deal for Mitchell, which is going to also include a lot of draft picks, you know that, they probably think that they've seen the best of them. Or... To put it in other terms, maybe they feel that he's never going to be what Donovan Mitchell is right now. You ever think of that possibility? It's certainly, I think, legitimate. You can't refute it. Because Donovan Mitchell is a proven commodity. Right? Utah feels the same way about him, probably, that Nick fans feel about RJ, except Utah and, and Donovan Mitchell, they've done it longer. He's been at this thing five years. He's a three-time All-Star. He's done it in the postseason. Now, the team itself didn't get very far. And, you know, a lot of people also want to, like, you know, 
throw cold water on Donovan Mitchell and poke holes in his game and everything he does and say, yeah, but, well, you know, look at the playoffs. Utah doesn't do it in the playoffs. How come they never win in the postseason? Okay, let me remind you of something. For everybody that wants to use that approach as to why the Knicks shouldn't go get Donovan Mitchell or include R.J. Barrett in a trade form, think about who Donovan Mitchell's other superstar was in Utah all those years. It was Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert's a center. Rudy Gobert's not a center like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic is a center, right? They just happen to play the same position by coincidence. But all centers are not created equal. Rudy Gobert is more of like a throwback center than any of these other dudes right now who are legitimate franchise players. Rudy Gobert doesn't have much offense to his game. He's a defender. He's a rim protector. He's a rebounder. But that's not a guy who could be like your number one or number two superstar on a championship caliber team because you got to score, right? In this NBA, you have to score. I know the old saying and the old cliche, defense wins championships, but you know what? Nobody plays defense in the NBA. you got to score. And this guy right now had to essentially carry that scoring burden by himself in those big situations. And for the most part, I think he did a pretty good job. I know that he leaves a lot to be desired on the defensive end of the floor. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Mitchell's, you know, great in that department and that if you're going to one day have a backcourt of, like, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, well, you know what? You're not going to be all defense in the backcourt. I get it. But you know what Donovan Mitchell is? He's a dude who's from here. He's not going to be intimidated by the bright lights, the big stage. He would welcome it. He would embrace it. And he would be must-see TV every time he steps on the floor at Madison Square Garden. That guy could go off for 40 or 50 any given night. And you talk about attracting headlines, back pages, showstoppers. That's what Madison Square Garden is. That's what that building is like when it's buzzing and it's on fire, just like it was when this team went to the playoffs a couple of years ago. I know that it's been few and far between ever since, but this is a guy who can get you back to that and make it an attraction yet again. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what this city deserves? Isn't that what they need? So, yeah, if I'm casting my vote, and look, I understand that sometimes the price tag gets a little too outrageous and crazy. I get it. And certainly there's these reports out there that, you know, maybe four first-round picks plus. Put the deal in front of me. I'm not leaving the organization and the front door open and saying, here, come in, take whatever you want. It's not an open-door policy. But you bet I'd be willing to listen that if indeed RJ's name comes up in the deal and you're not also going to deprive me of assets in terms of draft choices and several other things, then you know what? That might be a price I'm willing to pay. Because you're talking about a guy who's 25 years old, who's just entering the prime of his career. This isn't like Donovan Mitchell, 30, 31 years old, and you don't know how many prime years he's got left. He's 25 He's got a lot of high-level basketball left. You put him on this team as another piece, I think the Garden got a heck of a lot more exciting. How about you? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Dan Grasso Show. We're on until 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show 
on 98.7 ESPN. All right, we're talking about it now, and you know what? We're using the power of social media to get all the kids involved. Just tweeted out a poll, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A, so you can go online and vote. Rock the vote. Do your civic duty. Anonymous. You're not going to be held accountable one way or the other. Would you include R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell? So check it out on my Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. We'll see what the total is when we say goodnight here at 10 o'clock. And then Gordon Damer. Is going to take over for the rest of the evening. Let's say hi to John and Maplewood up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? Enjoying the conversation. Listen, Thanks, let Johnny. me get to my point. Uh, let me get to my point. My wife tells me I don't get to the point quick enough. And I, <laughs> But you also cut people off that disagree with you, and I disagree with you. First of all, I'm not giving up. Um, well, I'm wait, giving John, up, John um, I'll let Barrett. you make your point, but why do you say I cut people off that disagree with me? Uh, I've called several times. You cut me off prematurely. Well, I, I, I mean, unfortunately, though, I, I don't do it deliberately, but maybe the call's going on a little bit too long, and, you know, it's not the John and yeah. Maplewood show, unfortunately. But go ahead. Make your point. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's what my wife tells me all the time, so you're, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> She's smart, John. She's smart. Yep, yep. So, listen, I'm not giving up R.J. Barrett, first of all. But second of all, um, you said, isn't it what we want to be on the back page again and be competitive again during the season and all this? No, no that's not what we want. And that's, that's why we're not giving up R.J. Barrett, I hope. We want to be relevant in the postseason. Listen, we were relevant all year long a couple of years ago when, when uh, Randall was killing it, um, but, but, then, but then we didn't do anything in the postseason. So that, that's not what we want. We want to build a team here piece by piece, little by little. The Celtics proved that you don't have to go out and get three superstars anymore. Uh, now, they evolved as superstars. Tatum evolved as a superstar, but he wasn't considered a superstar coming into the season. Let's add these pieces. Let's get better and better, and let's build for the future in a championship team. I don't care about being on the back page. That's not what I want. But, Tom, or, or John, I'm sorry, but, John, when I say back page, I'm only talking about you're getting the back page if good things are happening. And generally speaking, I mean, they're not going to put Mitchell on the back page if, let's say, he scores 50 points and the Knicks go out there and lose or they're, you know, uh, 20 and 40. I'm, I'm, I'm implying that it's going to lead to good things in terms of wins and losses. That, that, that's my point. So here's the question, though. Do you really think that R.J. Barrett's ceiling is going to be that greater to or equal to what Donovan Mitchell is or may even still get to himself? No, I think Donovan Mitchell is better than R.J. Barrett, but they're both pieces to building a championship team. And I don't want to give that piece up. Okay. Okay. John, thanks for the phone call. Let you make your point. I appreciate it. But why? See, that's my question. Like, And I know that John's not the only one that feels that way because I've heard from a lot of you who also are in that camp. Like, he's a piece, but you don't want to give up that piece. Okay, let's just say, in John's words and in others, that RJ is a piece. He's a chip, right? He's not a number one. He's not a franchise player you build around. He is maybe a two, maybe a three, but he's a piece. Well, what do you think you're getting back in Donovan Mitchell? Yes, I agree. He's not probably a number one himself, but he's a damn good, legit number two. 
So while you might be subtracting one, you're getting something back that might even be better, and in my opinion, is better. Like, I, I, I know, like, we get so maybe seduced by potential and possible. Like, it's like in baseball with prospects, right? Oh, you can't, oh, gotta hold on to those prospects. Oh, my good, you, you can't trade this guy. You can't trade some 18 year old kid who maybe five, six years from now might become a really good player when he fills out and finishes, you know, developing and maturing. Instead, you're gonna hold on to this guy when you had an opportunity to get somebody who is proven who is a legitimate star. And I think that's what we're dealing with here. Nothing against RJ. I wish, I wish that there was a way that you could get Donovan Mitchell over here and keep RJ Barrett. I'd love to have them both on the same team. And like, if you were ever to put you know, RJ, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, uh, a committed, contributing Julius Randle, ain't that a, and Mitchell Robinson, ain't that a team you would sign up to watch every single night? I mean, you're going to watch the games anyway. But... Ain't that a team you would look forward to watching each night? Now, I don't know who the hell's going to be on your bench, but still, that's a fun starting five. You're not going to win any all-defensive awards, even with Tom Thibodeau as your head coach. And that's another thing. You know, I don't know how much influence the Tibbs has in this whole discussion, but you know that Tibbs is a guy who, if you don't play defense for him, you ain't going to win. Or, I mean, you ain't going to play. And you're talking about two players right here that are being primarily discussed in a swap that defense is not their number one calling card, at least not as far as I'm concerned. And we know that's not the case with Donovan Mitchell. RJ's good. He's better than Mitchell, but I don't know if he's elite. Sean in Brooklyn, up next, 98.7 ESPN. Sean, how we doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? What's up, Sean? We're good. All right. Now, listen. If, uh, unless I got this wrong, and please tell me if I do, but unless I got this wrong, we have not signed R.J. Barrett to an extension yet, have we? And we have correct. not extended a qualifying offer yet, have we? So doesn't that not mean that unless we do these things, he hits the season as an unrestricted free agent next year? And if that's the case, isn't there just like a cap hole because we could sign him over the cap? Correct. Does that, does that not leave room for us to put a third piece in there like, and then sign him over the cap? I feel like this is the best front office the Knicks have had in my lifetime, let alone I'm only 35. I'm young. I get it. Nonetheless, <laughs> best front office we've had so far. So far, every draft, Leon Rose has gotten one pick and then flipped it into something more that we just didn't see come in. And we're like, oh, look at our position now, better than we thought we was going to be before. He has, so, so far, he has hired personnel early to make it comfortable for the players we're attracting, Brian and Brunson's uh, for, for Spider and, and um, Brunson. <laughs> so um, I'm just confused where everyone thinks this level of foresight just disappeared all of a sudden. RJ ain't going nowhere. RJ, uh, is Ainge going to trade something for a piece that can just walk? He's not signed to anything. He's a free agent as of right now until we change that and make him a restricted but Sean, free agent. Sean, Sean, you're right, but let me ask you this. How yeah. much is the motivation how much is the motivation gonna be for RJ whenever he decides to put his pen to paper on getting the most money? Because the point I'm making is you're right when you say that they could sign him to more money right now because he's a Nick, but let's just say for argument's sake, you trade him to Utah. And look, Utah's a place. That is Why would not... RJ? That's where it all falls apart, though. 
Why well, would RJ the sign an extension or something to go to Utah when things are starting to look good here? But Why? listen, but would he sign an extension in Utah after he gets traded there because then they could pay him the most money? But Utah's not a place that's attracting free agents. They always have to do it from building from within, like they did with Gobert, like they did with Spider. But is RJ going to be a guy who's committed to sticking around Utah long term? I think if I'm Utah and Danny Ainge, I want those assurances. Of course not. And that's not going to happen. He's not going to give him those assurances. The only way he gets those assurances is by signing an extension now, which he's not going to do. He ain't do going nowhere. R.J. Barrett has more power than, in this than both of these, these GMs and front offices combined. Mm, yeah, I don't know about that. I'll tell, Sean, I'll tell you why. How is it not true? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why. Because if you're the Knicks right now, and if you're the Jazz, and thank you for the phone call, and if Utah takes him on, and takes you know, the entire package the Knicks are going to put out there with the draft picks and everything you know that is going to be discussed and agreed upon to this deal. Once the trade is agreed upon, Knicks don't care. That's going to be that that that's the bed that Utah's going to have to sleep in, not the Knicks. They just want to get there. If they're going all in for their pursuit of Donovan Mitchell, that's all they want. They want their guy. They could care less what RJ's future is in Utah or anything else like that. They could care less. But is RJ going to sign long-term in Utah? I don't know. And if you remember something, in and around the draft, right, we were all consumed with the Jalen Brunson stuff. That happened. Clear and cap space. Got it. But when the rumors were first out there about the Knicks and the Jazz and talking, remember initially we heard that the Jazz didn't necessarily need RJ for a deal to be completed. Why? Because what Sean was just talking about, he's going to have to get paid and Utah wants to get young, controllable, inexpensive players and draft choices. So RJ didn't fit that criteria because he's going to have to get paid and get paid a lot soon. Something changed? Don't know. 800-919-3776. We'll continue this conversation. More on the Nets and the KD all seeing eye to eye all of a sudden. Plus, we'll get into the football, too, in the final hour. Dan Grasso with you till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, check me out on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A, and vote in our poll, which is sweeping the land right now. Would you include R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell? I don't want this to be like electioneering or anything like that, but so far it's pretty lopsided. And the uh, winner is a resounding no. 70% say no so far to just 30% that say yes, that they would include the Knicks' homegrown young star in a package for Spider Mitchell. Anthony in Queens, he's up next. Let's get his thoughts right here on the Grasses Show. Anthony, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. What's up, Anthony? Um, Thanks for making it. um, I think you and the last caller were spot on because I think that and listen, <laughs> I'm getting older, so I'm starting to think about uh, a lot of other things. So you start, you know, start realizing sometimes what's going on. So I think that you and the last caller, like I said previously, you guys were spot on with the R.J. Barrett situation and his contract and what Danny Ainge wanted. He's a Danny Ainge is shrewd. He's always been that way. But the point, the reason why I'm calling is I think that I think the Knicks don't understand what they have. And everyone else does. Because what's going to end up happening, just like R.J. Barrett's contract, and I would like to get your thoughts on this, mm-hmm. when they sign, if they trade for Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell is 25. 
when he's off this contract, he's going to be looking to max out again, just like the other superstars, just like what KD just did with his four and 190-something million-dollar contract. So my question to you is basically simple. Would you do something like not make any trade trades at all for Donovan Mitchell and just stand pat? Because one of the things that I was upset about, and maybe you can help me out with this, I thought the Knicks long time ago should have stand pat with the mellow trade because my whole vision was to see Danilo Gallinari and Carmelo Anthony on the court at the same time, which have been the ultimate small ball, which a lot of people were doing. So I would like to get your take on that. Well, let me ask you this, though, Anthony, real quick. When Yes, you brought up the point about when the current contract is up with Mitchell, which is three more years, I believe. He'd like to max out again. Isn't that the idea? Isn't that the goal, really, for every organization? Is you want to surround your – or you want to fill your roster up with talented guys who merit – max contract money you know what i'm saying like you want guys who are that good to where you say oh yeah they're worth the max because if you have good guys like that on your team chances are you're going to be winning more games than you're losing if you know what i'm saying yes hopefully so but do you want to be in a position where where we had to resign mellow that you're just resigning him just for well, no that was a mistake you can't compare con- the two like selling jerseys you can't compare the two that was a mistake they never should have re-signed Carmelo Anthony that last time. That was Phil Jackson's hiccup. And you know what? That might not even have been Phil Jackson. That might have come from above Phil Jackson, if you know what I'm saying. For, for, yes. for reasons not so much tied to basketball like your point, Anthony. And thank you for the phone call. You know, whether it's for merchandising, selling jerseys, and all those other type of things, quite possibly. That, they should have just let Melo go to Chicago. Remember? Oh, I'm thinking about going. He should have went to Chicago. I don't know where the Knicks would have been. I don't know if they would have been any you know, further ahead of the curve. I don't know if they would have went backwards, whatever. But that was a mistake in bringing him back because we know that it didn't work out in the end. You know, for that second contract, it did not work. But this is a little different. You know, you're talking about a guy who's 25 years of age entering, entering the prime of his career. I think that maybe, you know, like another point that Anthony made, though, was interesting. At least I found it interesting. That other, he said that other teams in the NBA know what the Knicks have in R.J. Barrett better than the Knicks do. I don't know if I agree because I would think that the Knicks know him better than any other team because they see him each and every day. They know his strengths. They know his weaknesses. They know him behind the scenes. They know what makes him tick. They know what, you know, everything. Maybe they have an inclination one way or the other that they think his ceiling is X. They think he can reach X where others maybe have a different opinion. And I'll say one more thing about Donovan Mitchell here as far as it applies to, like, us, the fans here in New York. Remember, how many Utah Jazz games are you watching? You know, you watching Utah on a 99-out basis? They're not a marquee draw. Do we really know just everything this guy brings to the table, or are you just basing it off the box score? 